welcome back to the Ladies of Golf podcast, where we introduce you to women who are playing, working, and enjoying the game. I'm your host, Abby Liebenthal, founder of For the Ladies. For our latest Ladies of Golf feature, I chatted with Devin Carroll, who is a turf grass weed science doctoral student and graduate research assistant at the University of Tennessee. I recently listened to Devin on the Fried Egg podcast with Andy Johnson, and after their discussion about women in turf, I knew I needed to have her on. When I'm playing golf, I'm so focused on what's around me, the people I'm playing with, my next shot, my next drink order, when am I getting a hot dog, but from time to time, I'll see the team working on the bunkers, mowing the greens, and trimming the rough. What I also noticed is that a lot of these people are predominantly male, and Devin wants to change that. Devin recently conducted and presented her study on women in turf, a qualitative study examining how women have sustained their leadership role in the turf grass industry. I'll let her share the details, but she uncovers why women get into the industry, their obstacles, and opportunities for growth. She has a unique story herself about getting into turf grass, so I'm excited to share it with all of you. Enjoy. Um, are you in school right now? Yeah, I'm just wrapping up my PhD. Yeah. Nice. Well, we always start every ladies golf podcast with a quick nine set of questions. They don't need to be like in-depth answers. So feel free to just share what comes to mind. Um, what is your favorite social media app? Definitely Twitter. Last song you added to a playlist. Oh gosh, that's a really tough one. I'm sorry. I'm completely blanking. It's okay. I, I just listen to those um, Spotify, like pre-recorded hits for you things. I don't add a lot of music. <laughs> oh, well that works great. Um, do you prefer playing nine holes or going to the driving range? Uh, nine holes for sure. What's the last book you read? The last book I read, um, I'm really into John Grisham books lately. So I'm yeah. reading one called The Appeal. I think I read the appeal. I went through a stage where I was trying to read like all of them. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to bake? Cupcakes. Any specific flavor? No, I used to have a baking business, so I've got a pretty broad portfolio of flavors. So just whatever strikes me. So cool. Uh, but what's a podcast you recently listened to? The Fried Egg. Love it. <laughs> um, favorite golf course you've played? Um, the Country Club of Scranton. Love it. And what's um, your favorite col- golf course that you've worked on? Augusta National. What's one thing you wish more people knew about women in turf? Um, I wish they knew how challenging it could be, but also how rewarding it is. And that's why so many women stick with it. Nice. And we will dive much more into that, but (laughs) love it. So I just want to take a step back and just find out, you know, when did you first get introduced to golf? Did you participate in other activities growing up? Yeah. So my dad got me started playing golf probably when I was eight or nine. And I'll admit, you know, when I was a younger kid, I wasn't too much into it, but, um, I had asthma in high school. So at the varsity level, it was really hard for me to keep up in any of the sports that involve running. So I kind of came back to golf and was like, you know, this is a good way for me to get outside in a sport that I was, you know, able to do physically. So happy to get back out there. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Um, and you did, you did not play in college, right? I did not. Yeah. Penn state is where I went for my undergrad and, um, you know, it's a pretty competitive team there. So 
Yeah, for sure. I'm the same way. Played in high school, but didn't play in college. And, um, and like, that's okay. <laughs> um, so saw you studied turf grass science for your undergrad. Did you know going into school that that was what you wanted to study? I did. I'm a little bit of a unique case. Um, most of the women in turf we see, that's not really where they started. Um, but I have a cousin who's a golf course superintendent. So when it came time for me to pick a major, I just figured, you know, I love being on the golf course. And I knew that he always loved his job and just thought, yeah, let's just go for it. Good for you. Did you have any experiences working on the golf course in that way prior to school? None. And that's another reason I'm an oddball. Um, A (laughs) lot of people in the major typically have worked at a golf course before they show up. But yeah, I just um, just went for it. And Penn State was really great about hooking me up with some opportunities early on to make sure it really was a good fit for me. But yeah, in the end, I don't think it really inhibited me at all that I didn't come in with some of that experience. Good for you. That's sweet. Um, You obviously have quite a resume when it comes to education, bachelor's degree in turf grass science, master's degree in agronomy, second master's, currently working on your doctorate. Before we like dive into everything, I wanted to ask you, do you, is education something that people need, like as many layers of education that you have to succeed in turf grass? I don't think so. What I'm doing is definitely a little bit more unique because I want to stay on the research side. Mm. Um, I do believe that having some level of turf education is necessary to rise to the superintendent level, but there are a lot of um, two-year associate or certificate type programs that work if that's what someone's goal is. Got it. So when you say, so what would be, you know, the next step for you um, once you got your PhD? So I am considering more industry-related jobs than staying in academia, um, but I'd like get into the pesticide industry, you know, developing new herbicides, uh, new products for turf grass managers to use to keep the golf course, you know, weed-free, disease-free, and healthy. That's awesome. It's a world I just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can say I never thought I'd be here. My dad and I were just talking at Christmas, and he goes, you know, I never in a million years would have thought this is what you'd grow up to be, but it's been great. (laughs) Love it. Well, before we really dive into women in turf, I think some like education would be great for, for anyone listening. Um, something when I was, you know, reading your, you know, your research and then some articles about you as well, a lot of it, um, identified sports turf versus golf turf. Do you mind sharing quickly what the differences are? Sure. So the majority of people who study turf grass science end up working on golf courses. So we call Mm -hmm. that golf turf. Um, but there is a lot of other opportunities in turf. We have people working on sports fields, whether that be, you know, professional, collegiate, high school, um, people taking care of, you know, local parks or municipal facilities. So that kind of tends to be the little two bucket designation there of sports and golf. But we also have people, you know, who go on to have landscaping companies, they're working in equipment sales, fertilizer sales. So It's a lot bigger than golf, but definitely, you know, most people in the industry are, you know, working in golf in some capacity. Okay. And I was going to ask you, what does like a day in the life look like for someone working in turf? But clearly like, it's going to look very different depending on which route you go. Yeah, I can say, I mean, in general, it's, it's long days, um, whether it be a golf course or a sports field, you know, turf's a living organism. So almost like a child, you still have to get out there and take care of it, you know, no matter what the weather's like and takes a lot um, physically to maintain those facilities. And so that's something that's, you know, pretty consistent, no matter what role someone goes into. 
Nice. Nice. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so I, I read your study. It was super eye-opening and congratulations. It's really well done. And, and frankly, for someone who doesn't read a lot of that type of research regularly, it was very easy to understand. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but for those who don't know, what was the objective of your research? Sure. So we were trying to understand what the barriers and opportunities for women in turf are. Um, Nationwide, the National Turf Grass Associations, there's a few, the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America, the Sports Turf Managers Association, and the Canadian Golf Superintendents Association um, were able to share their membership numbers with me. And their membership was reporting only between about two and 4% of their members as female. Mm. So, you know, this is telling us women are really underrepresented. And you've probably heard this. I mean, nationwide, there's a labor shortage, but particularly on golf courses for the last five or so years, it's been a huge problem. And so I just thought, I mean, we're facing a labor shortage. But then if you look at the numbers, we're literally not tapping into half of the population of people who could be filling these jobs. Totally. Yeah. Well, the I saw like the main or the central research question you asked the participants in your research was, um, what lived experiences have shaped your career in the turf grass industry? How would you answer that question yourself? Oh, well, for me, I think it definitely starts with me, you know, being out on the golf course as a kid and in high school. And then I'm lucky enough to have that family connection with my cousin that led to me going to Penn State. Yeah. And from there, I mean, it's just been a lot of experiential learning opportunities, you know, working at different golf courses, getting into research. Um, the turf community is really tight knit. So just being able to meet some really key people and have great mentors to lead me to where we are today. And those are the types of things we want to discover with these other women, you know, so we could try to figure out ways to recruit more based off of the stories of those who are already in it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you find about the culture? Like when I think about when I play golf, I don't see many female course superintendents or women working on the ground. So what did you find in your own experiences? It's definitely tough. I mean, women are an underrepresented group and you have to be prepared that there's times, you know, you're going to be the only female on the crew. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I felt like the other guys took on that kind of big brother role and, you know, looked out for me. But unfortunately, there were others who, you know, weren't so positive and you have to learn to deal with some of those situations. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, that can certainly go for a lot of things in golf, but when you say two to 4%, I mean, that's even more so of, you know, females working in it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's shockingly low. And part of this stemmed from um, the professor who directed my research, Dr. Carrie Stevens, her research area is women in agricultural leadership. Mm. And so she studies women in other sectors of ag. And I mean, it's definitely male dominated, but none of her studies had numbers nearly as low as turf grass management. Sure. So, yeah. When you think of like, yeah. When you think of like nurseries or just other types of agriculture, I mean, farming is certainly probably skis more male as well, but I'm sure there are that at least are getting closer to an equal gap. Right. Interesting. Um, did, was there anything that just like surprised you in your research? Honestly, the most shocking thing to me, so we interviewed 13 different women and they had a really wide range of backgrounds. They were from three different countries, um, worked in turf from anywhere from six to 30 years. So we tried to get a really broad pool, but what shocked me was how similar their answers were, mm. um, which was actually very encouraging as far as trying to develop new recruitment and retention strategies to just hear that, you know, although there were some negatives, um, the experience has largely been the same. And I think that's something we can draw upon. 
Yeah. So speaking of recruitment strategies, I was going to ask you, like, what have been the more successful tactics that you've seen to get women into turf? I mean, so far there hasn't been a lot specifically. Um, uh-huh. One thing that's been really great, some of the ladies up in Canada started the Women in Turf Grass Mentorship Group. Mm. Um, so they pair young students with women already in the industry just to make sure that, you know, you've got that sounding board there. And they've also gone really far out of their way. They are going to high schools um, and just presenting like, hey, this is an option for interested students. They offer to bring them out on the golf course with them, make sure they have a fun day, you know, riding around in the cart, petting the golf course dog, do whatever they can to make it fun. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of track how that works with engagement down the road. But so far, it's seemed very successful. And I would love to see that expanded here in the States. Well, something that I was thinking about after reading your piece was, um, the Evans Scholars Program for caddying. You know, I'm sure we could say years ago that the divide between male and female caddies at courses across the country were probably very highly male. But with developments like the Evans Scholars Program, where like you get a scholarship through your work, through your caddying throughout, you know, your high school and ju- you know junior high and high school careers, there's like there's incentive. So for, you know, I belong to a club in Ohio and this year there were seven um, finalists for the Evans Scholars Program and five of them were women. Yeah. And I was like, God, like when I think about, you know, the ways even to just get more like women in golf, for example, I'm like, you know, it, it it should start in school, right? Like it should start in, in the middle school, even elementary school, getting clubs in their hands at a place where like they're going every day. Um, but I thought the Evan scholars thing was super interesting because there's such a strong incentive for kids to continue, you know, to caddy and then also to stick with it because they know that they could earn something like that, which is the tuition and the housing when they go to college. So that was something like similar to what you're saying with the, the Canada Canadian group. Um, you know, they're getting them into it to kind of like provide rewards, whether it's just like being out on the golf course or doing something. But the Evan Scholars program like really came to mind to me when I was thinking about stuff for you guys. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think there's a lot of innovative ways we can start connecting with people. And you hit on a huge point. I mean, honestly, I think getting in touch with people in high school is too late. Mm. Usually by sophomore year, people kind of have an idea of where they want to go. Yeah. Um, So I do think, you know, um, groups like the first tee and the first green where they're connecting with, you know, earlier students in middle school and elementary school is really, really great, you know, for golf and for recruiting to the turf grass industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what have been some of just like your proudest moments working in the industry so far? Oh, there's, there's a lot. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. Um, Yeah, one of my proudest moments, um, I did some undergraduate research, which is kind of what led me to go on to graduate school. And, you know, everyone has imposter syndrome, no matter what you do, but it's kind of scary to say, you know, can I really go be a graduate student? And um, my advisor, you know, flew me out to a conference to give my talk on the research project and it won first place, which was really exciting because all the other talks were on crops, you know, soybeans and corn and stuff. And I'm kind of like this lone wolf presenting on turf. And it won, um, but that just really solidified for me. Like, yeah, I'm on the right track and, you know, I belong here doing this. And um, the other big one that comes to mind um, at Penn State, we do a capstone course for the seniors where you travel internationally to look at golf courses. And so my year we did Ireland and Scotland. And one of my professors let me caddy for him at the old course at St. Andrews. 
And like, it was just a, such a cool moment to be out there and know, you know, I was about to graduate and made it through the program. Just watching the sunrise over St. Andrews is pretty amazing. That's wild. That's amazing. <laughs> Two very good ones. I'm sure amongst many, but um, well, for people who are listening, I, I'm assuming they're mostly golfers or some in some way touching the golf industry. Um, I think it'd be great to hear from you. Just like, why does turf management matter? <laughs> Uh, again, a lot of reasons for that one. I think the biggest one really is that, you know, people need green space to enjoy. And I think COVID has really brought this to light more than ever before. Um, you know, we need, we need parks and we need golf courses. It's part of health, um, physically and mentally, and you need people to take care of that for you. Um, there's also some smaller reasons, um, especially when it comes to home lawn care. I mean, turf plays a very important role in, you know, carbon sequestration when we're talking about environmental impacts. Um, it also helps with runoff um, from rain events. Um, turf grass management can prevent, you know, unwanted pests, whether you're allergic to bees or rodents or whatever else. So there's a lot of reasons um, that we can make the case that turf grass management is important. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, so much of it's just like behind the scenes and you're like, well, somebody has to do it. <laughs> I'm glad you think of that because I will admit, even though I played golf in high school, like it just doesn't come to mind. Even when you're no. out there, I mean, sometimes it's hard to realize like someone was out here and prepared this for us and just getting back in touch with that is important. I try to encourage people to remember, even if you're watching an NFL game, you know, somebody prepared that field and painted it to look like that so we can all enjoy it and watch something on television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I skipped over something that I didn't mean to ask you. What do, would you say were some, that you guys discovered were most of the barriers to women getting into turf grass management? Yeah. So there was really kind of three main um, issues that women reported. The first was difficulty building a family. You know, it's pretty challenging when you spend so much time on the golf course to, um, you know, have relationships and have children. The second big issue was overcoming stereotypes. You know, um, it's a pretty physically demanding job. So sometimes, you know, whether it's other guys on the crew or your members just thinking, you know, that you're not able to do it. But by and large, the biggest one was dealing with inappropriate conduct. Um, mm -hmm. Just people saying things that, you know, aren't professional and aren't helping them along in their careers and kind of learning how they need to deal with that. Yeah. What would be, you know, in the best case scenario, what is the growth pattern for somebody who wants to get into this industry? What, what does their path look like if they want to continue to grow in it? Sure. So, I mean, out of school, if you have a turf grass degree, you're probably going to get either an assistant golf course superintendent or assistant in training program. Um, you'll be in that role for a few years and then hopefully move up, you know, to golf course superintendent. And some of the bigger clubs will have, you know, higher jobs, maybe called director of agronomy, but I think the big thing for people as far as growth, once they reach that superintendent stage, um, you can get training through the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America, where you take classes and they kind of give you certifications. So class A is the highest one, which is an educational goal. Um, but a lot of people too try to serve on um, boards for these national associations or get into you know, giving seminars or enrolling in these mentorship programs. So once they reach superintendent, they're really trying to find more, you know, educational related goals to give back to the industry. Got it. And why did most of the other women, since you said you were such a unique case, why did so many of the other women get into this industry? Yeah. So I think it was 12 of the 13 women I interviewed, you know, they started in other roles, uh, mm. nursing, engineering, whatever, wow. and just 
at some point in their careers realized that that wasn't working for them. Um, for a lot of them, you know, they were working on a golf course intermittently, be it a summer in between jobs or whatever, and just kind of accidentally stumbled upon it. But everyone has the same story that once they dabbled in it, even for a couple of days, you know, they were hooked and that was it. Um, they changed their majors. They went back to school, whatever. And then, yeah, just threw themselves into it. If, well, and I'm, I'm guessing some of these women weren't golfers. Yeah, there's quite a few of them who um, didn't golf previously. Some of them who still don't golf. I mean, they take care of the course, but that's just not, you know, their thing. Interesting. I wonder like, what is like the common personality trait of somebody who like wants to get into it? Oh, see, that's a whole separate study, but that'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think part of it is it's a really rewarding job. Um, It's one of those jobs where you can really see what you're accomplishing. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You mow a green, you step back. It looks great. You rake a bunker, you step back. And it's also knowing that other people are going to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Um, So I just think it's people who are really in tune with kind of, you know, seeing what they're producing on a daily basis would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something you said on the Friday podcast was that the grass doesn't know your gender. How has that mentality just helped you succeed in any situation? Yeah. So as much as I'm kind of purporting supporting women, um, I don't like to kind of classify myself as a woman in turf, right? I'm just a person in turf. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, there are barriers for women and trying to address those. But at the same time, you know, constantly assigning these gender pools, I feel like creates a little bit of separation. So I just try to remind myself when I'm out there doing it, it makes no difference. And if someone wants to make an offhanded comment to me, then, you know, that's their problem because the turf has no idea. Do you have a favorite like task that you like to do out on the golf course? I love mowing greens. Um, I just really get in the zone and it's one of those kind of oddly satisfying things, especially in the morning when there's dew and the mower just keeps cutting these perfectly straight lines. I don't know something about it. And it's really great exercise. (laughs) Yeah. It's got to use a ton of like upper body strength, right? Not really. Usually um, the mowers are, you know, they're auto powered. So you're kind of guiding them in the turns, but you're not really pushing it. Um, But my Fitbit, I mean, I'll track 20,000 steps by lunchtime. So yeah, Yeah. your calf muscles are insane. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, I guess I just wanted to ask, you know, for, to end, to close, just what advice do you have for women who are interested in this career path? I would encourage them to try to reach out to some of us who are already in it, um, especially because of social media. And I mentioned Twitter earlier. I mean, turf Twitter is a pretty serious thing. We've really created um, a group and everyone in turf is really welcoming. So if you can find one of us on Twitter, I'm sure whoever you contact will be super happy to talk to you about it and also get you in touch with, you know, 15, 20, however many others you'd like to, who can just be a sounding board to kind of tell you what to expect, but also tell you, you know, how to make the most out of your experience. Yeah. Well, what is your Twitter so people can find you? My handle is turfgirl24. Amazing. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for your time and and doing this research. I think I think it's really eye-opening. Um it's something like, you know, when you're looking at it on the surface, you could probably assume there's not a lot of women in turf, but getting the reasonings behind that is so important. Yeah, and thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to share this information. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For The Ladies, visit us at ForTheLadies.net and on Instagram at ForTheLadies. That's F-O-R-E.